The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. We are going to be talking about the Green Schools National Network today. And actually, if you want to check out their website and kind of look it over as we're speaking, you can do that. Don't close this tab in your web browser. Keep listening to us on voiceamerica.com. But open a new tab in your web browser and go to Green Schools nationalnetwork.org. Today we're joined by Jim McGrath and Dr. Jenny Sadel, and they are um, the, the top dogs, shall we say, the CEO and the COO of the Green Schools Network, and I'm so pleased to have them on today. Welcome, both of you, to Go Green Radio. Thank you very much, Jill. We're very pleased to be on. Thank you, Jill. I'm thrilled to be here as well. Well, I'm glad to have you both because I want to introduce our listeners to your organization, what you do, and some of the value that you bring to our nation's children. So let's begin with you, Jim. What is, let's start at the very beginning, what is the definition of a green school? The basic definition of a green school is that the school would have a school culture that would, everything would embrace sustainability, health, and wellness not only for the children in their school, but connecting it to the community so that the end result would be that all children in all schools across America would have a sustainable future. Well, who can argue with that? That's a that's a terrific goal for every community to create schools like that and school communities around them um, that, that aspire to that. Jim, tell us, when was the Green Schools National Network founded and what was the original purpose of forming this organization? It started seven to eight years ago, and I was a principal of uh, a green environmental school in Wisconsin, an elementary school. And originally, uh, we were one of three schools in the state who were, in, who were some form of green or sustainable schools. And we received a grant uh, to replicate in the state of Wisconsin. And we did replicate, and uh, uh, I believe now there's probably close to 100 green, healthy schools. Well, what the next year of the grant asked us to do was to look at four other states in the United States and see what was happening in this movement. And so we looked at California, Florida, and Colorado. And what we found was that there were all of these schools across the country doing this amazing work, but they weren't connected in any way. And so Jenny and myself and a bunch of leaders from across the country decided that we needed to start a network so that we could not only have these wonderful silos of green schools, well, we could expand it to all states, to all schools across the country. And that really is our mission, to give every school uh, the resources, opportunities, 
and programs to make them green, healthy, and sustainable. I see. Now, Dr. Sato, um, talk to us about the Green Schools movement, the history of it, and you know, in your experience, how has it changed over the past, let's say, 10 to 15 years? And, and then kind of take it a step further. What role has the Green Schools National Network uh, had in cr- helping to create those changes? Excellent question. Um, the, uh, I like to describe the Green Schools movement as a convergent, uh, convergence of many movements of the past 50 years that have shaped a new body of knowledge related to learning environments and learning and that also incorporate our relationship with um, in the larger, um, more than human world. Um, so, so I think of the Green Schools National Network as the big green tent where um, best practices and science come together to create a coherent, coherent vision of what schools could and should be to prepare our children for the future. Um, so our, our roots, the Green Schools movement roots, actually exist. We can go all the way back to the magnet school movement when, you know, we started seeing environmental um, magnet schools. Um, but we also have the green building movement and the health and well-being movement <clears throat> and then the experiential education and environmental education movement. So the, the Green Schools movement brings all of those things together and over the last 10 to 15 years, things, um, once we started beginning to look at how these practices played out in schools, um, you know, in a coherent way, um, things really started taking off. So as Jim talked about, you know, we saw the, the number of um, green um, charter schools, um, charter schools with a green and sustainable theme um, emerge, but at the same time we saw an increase of, uh, in the number of public schools and independent schools who were embracing, you know, in the environment as a as a integrating theme in the curriculum, but also um, how they could create buildings and facilities that were um, had a less of an impact on the environment. So, you know, we saw an increase of the um, number of states who were adopting the report card developed by the Collaborative for High Performance Schools. We saw um, the U.S. Green Buildings Council and the number of LEED certified schools being built across the country increasing. We've seen the number of states leveraging the U.S. EPA's Energy Star and indoor air quality practices for schools increase. Um, We've also seen the number of states who've created green and healthy um, school award programs um, develop. I think one of the most exciting things that has emerged um, since the since we started hosting the national conference, but I think it actually started before before that in a conversation led by Earth Day Network and the National Wildlife Federation um, and the U.S. Green Buildings Council, is what can we do at the federal level to acknowledge and, uh, and reward um, these best practices? So, um, in 2011. We um, worked together. We were um, part of the of a coalition of um, profit, nonprofit organizations that worked together to move forward the Green Ribbon Award Program. That's now a part of the U.S. Department of Education, um, and this award is presented to schools who are showing exemplary practices in three areas: health and well-being, um, reducing their environmental impact, and increasing environmental literacy and citizenship. So. So it's um, so there's been a real increase. It's kind of like herding cats. There are so <laughs> many things happening um, 
in in the movement, and we're really excited to be able to you know bring those together um, and lift up those best practices at our conference. Mm-hmm. Now, Jim, one of the areas of focus that I noticed on your website is education and professional development. Talk to us about what kind of professional development our nation's teachers need in order to create green schools. And maybe it's not just teachers, but principals and facilities managers as well. How does the Green Schools National Network help to develop and deliver that professional development? The main area that teachers and principals uh, need is to look at the core curriculum. And and many, many schools or districts will have uh, a standard curriculum that's probably been in existence for some time, and and they revamp it. But they've never had uh, what I consider the top uh, priorities for the future. They've really never had health and sustainability integrated into all the core academic areas. And that takes, uh, it takes mentoring and it takes coaching. And we are very fortunate uh, that at our conference and our partners, we have some of the leaders in the country doing that. And so what we do is we, Jenny is an expert in expeditionary learning and a school designer. So she does that with expeditionary learning, and I'll, I'll let Jenny add into this. But we also have... Uh, we're the collaborative. What we've tried to do is to bring together people who can provide resources for all of our schools so that they can be a green, healthy, sustainable school. And so some of our partners that have been doing this and that have developed integration pra- practices into the core curriculum are like project learning tree schools. Uh, I mentioned expeditionary schools, project-based schools, the Cloud Institute uh, in California, uh, they've developed the EEI program that'll be a big part of the conference. So the key for us is, again, to, like Jenny said, expand this national collaboration of all of the experts who are, are involved in delivering integrated standards-based education in the world of sustainability and develop uh, state agencies and state networks uh, to help deliver this program. So... Jenny, do you have anything to add into that? Because Jenny lives in this uh, <laughs> realm every day. Yeah, I, I think that Jim hit on you know some of the leaders in in the field. I think um, we also look at um, and the at, when we have a coherent curriculum where there are there is authentic work and and very coherent themes in the in the curriculum. It's it's. We, we have data that shows the impact on student achievement. And so I think that this is the, when we talk about professional development, it's really helping teachers see the connections that it can make across content areas. And, and now with the new next generation science standards and the common core state standards, you know, really um, preparing students for that, you know, t- the 21st century, um, that, that's, a, that's a big transition. I call that greening schools from the inside out, which is the curriculum. And then we have um, just amazing partners that green schools from the outside in, and I talk about the collaborative, collaborative for high-performance schools and U.S. Green Buildings Council and our, our friends and partners in the EPA and um, those 
folks begin to think and help um, guide professional development and provide resources and tools to help green schools from the outside in that physical structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the pieces that I think we need all of our teachers and our school leaders um, super, from the superintendent down, you know, to the um, facilities managers that they, they need to begin to rethink about ways that are cost-effective and, and ecologically more sound in operating um, their schools, and then we need to work with our teachers to help them see the connections um, in the curriculum and how it brings much more meaning to learning for students. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I hear a lot of folks talk about all the things that can be done to help existing teachers in schools right now, and, and I think that that is absolutely vital. One of the things that I'm hoping to see as time goes on is that, that you know, when I look at your website, I'll see um, partnerships with the colleges of education at universities across the country because, you know, if we're going to create sustainable communities and sustainable schools, we also need to create a sustainable, uh, you know, cadre of teachers coming in who have been taught this while they were taught to be teachers. So that's one of the things that I'm really hoping to see over time, and I'm sure that's a shared goal. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, much more Go Green Radio. So don't go away, folks. We'll be back right after these messages. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Music. 
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all be with us and very happy that our guests could join us today. If you're just tuning in, our topic today is the Green Schools National Network. This is an organization that you can check out their website uh, while we're talking. If you want to open a new tab in your web browser and go to www greenschoolsnationalnetwork.org. Today, our guests are Dr. Jenny Seidel and Jim McGrath, who serve as the COO and CEO, respectively, of the group. Dr. Seidel, you know, one of the areas of focus that really piqued my interest that's listed on your website is advocacy and policy. And I'd like for you to talk to us about what specific educational policies the Green Schools National Network advocates for. Sure. Well, as I mentioned earlier, the um, Green Ribbon Award was, um, I think, the largest collaboration of all of our partners in moving um, something forward as an award, not necessarily a policy um, yet, but something that we believe um, down the road as we establish um, more metrics related to that um, could become policy. Um, But um, in other areas, we see um, states and local communities taking amazing action related to the infrastructure of schools. As you know, um, the infrastructure, the physical plants um, across the country of our schools are um, in dire need of, mm-hmm. of um, improving for the 21st century. So we're excited to see that um, Prop 39 in California um, has moved forward um, in that initiative, as you've um, covered, I think, in your, in, on your show in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, reflects the the fact that um, funds in for energy efficiency and clean energy projects for K K twelve schools have been increased. Um, they're in the process. We'll um, be talking a lot about that at the conference in the process of of determining how and that will be measured and how those funds, two point five billion dollars, will be used in schools. Um, in Baltimore, there's been an amazing um, initiative where local citizens came together to call um, upon uh, elected officials and decision makers at city, state, and federal level to adopt um, a funding plan to renovate and modernize all public schools in Baltimore City within eight years. And that um, initiative, they've been looking at the use of block grants and other alternative financing methods methods to address the $2.4 billion need mm-hmm. <laughs> needed um, to modernize the schools in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, at the educational level, um, you know, um, curriculum is a, is a state's right, is a local, um, is a local issue at the state level. So across the country, we have um, 
groups in in many states, I would say about 45 states that are really working at with their state Department of Education on environmental literacy um, standards and how to leverage the Common Core and the Next Generation Science Standards now that are being adopted um, to include and infuse environmental literacy and education for sustainability concepts in, in the process. So, mm-hmm. um, so those things are all at play across the country and as we organize and tighten our focus, we'll, I think, have a much stronger voice. One of our solution summits this year is um, really pushing us to think about what are the common, the common ground in environmental literacy and, and sustain, education for sustainability that we can all agree on that mm-hmm. we can use to leverage policy um, related to educational outcomes for mm-hmm. the future. Well, and and that is something that's so difficult to do is to uh, (laughs) bring many, many people together within this sphere of the Green Schools movement um, to be a united voice on policy. It's it's tough to do that, but I think it's a worthy goal. Jim, your website talks about the research that the Green Schools National Network uh, works to, to advocate for and to provide. This is what it says on your website. The Green Schools National Network works with other national partners and researchers to coordinate a rigorous research and evaluation agenda of green and healthy schools initiatives that can inform the development of best practices for the healthy growth and development and academic achievement. Give us some examples of the research that the Green Schools National Network has worked on and maybe even where our listeners might be able to find it online. The first one was when we had the national conference in Colorado uh, two years ago, we worked with the University of Denver uh, in Colorado uh, with their education and their environmental research department. And one of the things that we had found as we uh, reviewed research across the country, and they had reviewed research, was that there were pockets of the relationship between uh, teaching a green, healthy, sustainable education and academic performance, but they were only small pockets. So they did a research project with us together, and what they did was the schools that were rated as green and healthy schools, we had hundreds of them, uh, they sent each of the schools a survey, and we're going to talk about the core practices, but they rated themselves in the core practice, and they had to uh, they had to be at a high percentage of implementation uh, so that they could consider them green schools. And then what they did was compare them to like schools within their districts and states. And uh, it was a relatively um, quick research because we had around nine months to do it. But what they did find, the only area they had time to look at was science. And they found out that schools that had a high level of implementation of the green print uh, to becoming a green and sustainable school, had uh, uh, very high increased uh, science scores on the state uh, science test in science. So that was one, and what we want to do is follow up uh, further. Uh, Colorado State, at the same time, uh, did a research project on trying to look at uh, four or five uh, schools across the country where their academic achievement was unusually high and tried to correlate that again to practices in being green. And so uh, they, both of those research, you can go to Colorado State 
or UC Denver, uh, or check with Jenny or myself, and we can get you those that those research. Uh, the other one uh, that uh, we're working on is there's a lot of elements of sustainability, and naturally, one is academic performance, but the other that I think is as significant is the students in our schools, in our communities, in our states, becoming the change agents uh, for stewardship and sustainability. And Mm -hmm. so we're working with, in California, uh, we're having a student summit at the conference, and uh, we're working with California Endowment on doing research tracking on the students who come to the summit and what their action plans are and actually what have they accomplished uh, as far as sustainability and health in their communities, and uh, Dr. Oz's Health Corps, who's our co-sponsor, is also uh, working with us on that. Uh, Last comment is, this is the area that all of our collaboration, I know the Center for Green Schools and CHIPS and all of us, uh, this is the area that we all know we need to do more with, and what we have to do is make sure that we are connecting with major universities across the country uh, to get research that is really significant to prove that students who are in green, healthy, sustainable schools are not only uh, improving the financial status, improving sustainability, but also improving academically. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. And and I'll look forward to seeing more and more as you progress. But that's an exciting um, future for you know some research that I think a lot of people within the Green Schools Network could really, and movement, could really use. Dr. Seidel, um, Jim mentioned the green print, and that's something that's on your website, and it's really interesting. I'd like for you to talk about just give us an overview of what it is. We'll dig into the details in a moment, but tell us who was involved in writing it and the process that you went through to develop the green print. Sure. So the the green print um, for becoming a green, healthy, and sustainable school is uh, is the um, the primary document that that we use to to frame our work. Um, it started when, um, in the very early stages of, of, back in 2007, the first draft um, was created by the founding board of directors just, you know, based on, you know, research and, and understanding of best practices and was used in, you know, that early process that Jim was talking about with that replication grant. Um, between, um, in 2010, when we held um, our first um, national conference, we, we used the green print to shape the strands of the conference, but also to begin um, to engage in a um, broader um, national conference to help um, refine the definition of a green school. Their green school. Many um, people looked at a green school only from the physical plant features of a green school, and then others looked at it only on the curriculum side. Um, oftentimes health and well-being was not even included. Um, so we facilitated, um, I would say, four different focus groups, um, large uh, with representation from national organizations, and then multiple small focus groups to look at and, and refine um, what now are the five core practices of the green um, of the green print, mm-hmm. and those um, public, private, um, nonprofit um, partnerships included um, multiple um, representatives from 
USGBC state chapters, the Center for Green School state chapters. We also had representatives from the Collaborative from high, of High Performance Schools, the Center for Green Schools, the USGBC Center for Green Schools. We had multiple partners that represented um, the North American Association of Environmental Education, so a lot of um, organizations from within NAAAE participated. We had um, school superintendents and teachers um, who were working in green schools and um, some, of, some of the founders of green charter schools um, were a part of the process. I think we have a list of about um, 85 different um, organizations, national and, and state-level organizations that participated. And, and that, I think that's just a partial list. Um, that's fantastic. <laughs> and I think, you know, that, that shows such respect for the various stakeholder groups um, who are working so hard on this. We're going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we'll dig into the green print. For those of you who are wondering, how do I create a green school? What is the way? Well, the green print gives some terrific answers. So we'll be back with that right after this commercial break. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on The Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could be with us. I want to give a shout out to all my tweeps out there. 
Those of you who are following me at, at Jill Buck, let's get the conversation going. I'd love to see what you have to say about our show. If you'd also like to check out um, more of the social media conversations that we have going on around this show and around the Go Green Initiative, you can go to uh, my website, which is gogreeninitiative.org, and there you will get the doorway into all of the conversations we've got going on Facebook, on Google+, on Flickr, YouTube, everything you can imagine. So get in there. I'd love to hear from you. Today, if you're just joining us, we are talking with Jim McGrath, the CEO of the Green Schools National Network. We're also talking with the COO of that organization, Dr. Jenny Seidel. And we're talking about... um, what they have done in terms of collaborating with just a huge number of of green schools uh, movement leaders across the nation. And they've brought some great minds together and created um, a green print, a roadmap, so to speak, for creating green schools. We're going to dig into that. If you want to follow along, you can open a new tab in your web browser, hit their website, greenschoolsnationalnetwork.org and click on green print. Now, there are five core practices that are outlined in the green print. And um, I'd like to start with you, Jim. Let's talk about core practice number one, curriculum that advances environmental literacy and sustainability. Talk to us about that. Jill, I will. Uh, First of all, I'd like to give you just a, a quick overview of the overall green print. The green print is basically the three, uh, the three strands of the Green Ribbon Award. Uh, environmental literacy, uh, one, and facilities is two, and health and wellness is three. What we felt, or all of our partners, as you uh, so well stated, felt was that if we're going to move this movement forward, we need to have our students as activists in this movement. And so stewardship and student activists uh, as our potential leaders for the future was another one. And then the fifth one was that all of us across the country are doing this wonderful work, but without collaboration, we really can't create a national movement. So that's kind of an overview of why we have five instead of three, uh, like the Green Ribbon uh, Award. In STEM, in the first one, in Core Practice One, uh, the real key to this, uh, states have, as Jenny mentioned earlier, uh, Institute of the Majority of States in Environmental Literacy. I think one of the states, and this will be at the national conference, is California. Uh, they've done more than uh, just de- uh, developed a template for environmental literacy. They've actually developed how you would integrate that in, into schools. But the real key to me uh, to have this successful is, is the word of integration and not have any of these components be an add-on to the curriculum because uh, it's just too full. And so that's really the key, and I think one of the experts at doing this, uh, very honestly, is Dr. Seidel and uh, Expeditionary Learning. So, Jenny, do you want to jump in on that? Sure. The um, the features of, of Core Practice One are really the curriculum, the focus of you know, what is taught um, in a green school. And so we have been working and using the environmental literacy framework that, you know, has emerged out of the environmental education field and then the education for sustainability framework that, you know, has been emerging over the last five um, to ten years to, to, to really push people to think about how 
um, environmental and sustainability topics um, are can be found, how and where they can be found in, you know, local, state, and national standards, um, and how many topics related to environmental science, um, environmental issues, and, and um, sustainability issues have, have tentacles that, that reach back into history and um, social studies and, um, and can push students to enhance their reading and writing skills and speaking and listening skills. And so this core practice has five um, benchmarks that we use, um, you know, environmental literacy and, and sustainability integrated um, we, inquiry and problem solving and project-based learning are critical um, outdoor experiences um, and, that, and field experiences, field study experiences that support learning about complex um, systems and how humans are connected with the natural world um, are just are the backbone of the curriculum side. And I'm going to jump to core practice two in this because I think um, that Jim mentioned that the stewardship and service learning component of of our green print are absolutely critical. Um, the service learning opportunities uh, provide our students and teachers um, the potential for engaging in authentic work and authentic learning for an authentic audience. And so that authenticity is a key word in my work in expeditionary learning, but I think in all of our green schools that are not part of the um, expeditionary expeditionary learning, um, students look and work on real-world projects to explore solutions to local, regional, and global issues, um, but at, that at the same time are allowing them to develop 21st century skills, so design skills, speaking, listening skills, um, research skills, all of those things that we want them to have to be innovators. Um, we're preparing our students for a future that we really can't fathom, and so we need to make sure they have the, uh, the skill sets, and we do that by um, you know, really encouraging teachers and leaders to um, build their curriculum around authentic real-world issues um, mm -hmm. related to the future. Well, and when I interviewed Dr. Jerry Lieberman, um, a few weeks ago. He's one of your advisory board members. Um, he talked about the importance of using the local environment Absolutely. Um, as part of that. You know, when students can connect to their local energy, their local water, their local recycling, uh, whatever the environmental issue may be, those systems, all of a sudden, it's much more interesting, makes more sense, and they become very engaged. Absolutely. Now, Jim... You you have um, a third core practice that I'm very interested in, and I'd like for you to describe for us how you envision schools enacting core principle number three or core practice number three, and that's sustainable facilities, um, design, and management. Talk to us about what you see for the future of schools as they work on that core practice. The real um, leaders for us in that area have been uh, two major partners, and that's U.S. Green Building Council, the Center for Green Schools, and CHIPS, a collaborative for high-performing schools. Mm -hmm. What both of those organizations, they are the facility experts from top to bottom on retrofits, on new facilities. Uh, but what, what they've done was to utilize the building as a teaching tool 
and it can be a wonderful teaching tool in all areas, but especially in science and math. In this core practice, what we found is probably in school systems, the day-to-day people from the facility managers uh, to the maintenance staff to the the, uh, people who are working in the kitchen, uh, that this is a large education component that we needed to do a better job of, uh, of connecting with them. And so some of the real areas that we've uh, moved forward on are, are one of them is uh, we know that uh, schools produce a tremendous amount of waste. And my wife, for example, just went to our grandchildren's lunch area and, and the amount of waste that the children were putting uh, in the waste receptacles all together uh, was just phenomenal. And so one of the things we're having at our conference this year, it'll be a zero-waste conference, although one of the key things is the uh, uh, trying to get zero-waste in our schools. And one of the key things is uh, education and, and teaching the students to actually be involved. So that's, that's one that I think is critical. The other one that is critical is uh, uh, net zero energy. And what we found in schools, uh, this is a real big one, why districts came in uh, as quickly as they did. This was kind of a a movement of individual satellite magnet charter schools. But districts came in when all of a sudden they found that these schools and when districts did it, they were saving hundreds of thousands of dollars on energy uh, by maybe plucking the low-hanging fruit, but also by just changing the education within the building. So that's a, a real major one. And the one that we probably are doing a great job on this year but haven't emphasized enough is all of the materials that are in the school, having healthy uh, and sustainable uh, chemicals and materials, green materials within the school. So this year we have a solution summit on uh, purchasing of green and healthy materials. And, again, I think a lot of... Uh, Business officials or facility managers who are involved in this may purchase um, something that may be a little less expensive. But um, the research that we're seeing is that if you purchase uh, healthy, sustainable materials and solutions used in the school, in the long run, uh, it's very cost-effective because you're reducing the absenteeism through asthma for for your staff and your students, which is a very, very high-cost factor. So. This is a very encompassing, uh, uh, a very encompassing objective for our organization. But I really feel that we've got some great partners, and and we're making great grounds as far as uh, developing the awareness of how we can have a healthy building. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Seidel, uh, talk to our listeners about core practice number four. That's health and well-being, and it seems to segue perfectly from Jim's comments about the. Um, you know, the benefits, the health benefits of healthy learning environments and healthy buildings. Talk to us about how core practice number four expands on that. Sure. Well, again, research shows that more active children and children who are eating healthy are um, are learning more. Um, they're ready to learn. Their their um, brain is is more susceptible to you know new pathways um, because they're not hungry and and they are you know fed well and their body is functioning well. So so we really in this area promote healthy eating programs that util, utilize locally sourced and whole foods. Um, 
USDA has been, you know, engaged with us in many of our solution summits, and the farm to school um, movement is a large part of of our uh, of the network. Um, we also really believe that um, physical fitness and healthy lifestyle choices embedded, again, in the curriculum is essential, that it's um, many schools are doing away with um, physical education and, and health education in some cases. And we believe that, that to, to produce um, healthy, well-rounded citizens, those um, aspects of a, of a school are essential um, and, again, connected with many sustainable um, behaviors. Um, mm-hmm. We also believe that, um, and our partners in the you know, Children in Nature Network, um, believe that fitness and recreation programs that include lifetime outdoor activities are critical, um, getting students outside and engaged with the natural world is, is important. Um, our friends, um, my good friend David Sobel, if you've not had him on your show, you should have him. I've always put a plug in for David. Um, it, it, the developmental aspects um, of connecting with the natural world are critical, and it, and it mm-hmm. shows up in when they are motivated to learn about something that's important to them in the natural Absolutely. world. So air quality is critical. Um, those are all really important aspects mm-hmm. of of a school environment. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but don't go away, folks, because we'll have much more with Jim and Dr. Seidel in just a moment. So don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. World. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Glad that you could all join 
Yes, boy, the time flies. But we've got one more segment with Jim McGrath and Dr. Jenny Seidel from the Green Schools National Network. And we've been talking about um, their organization, which is a model for core principle number five in their green pen. Greenprint. Their uh, Green Schools National Network is a collaboration of, of leaders and uh, and thought leaders and 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 key communicators throughout the nation when it comes to the Green Schools movement. And Jim, core practice number five is, I believe, to help school communities replicate that kind of collaboration and partnership in their own backyard. It's about creating strong partnerships and networks. Talk about how schools can implement that core practice. What we've done is work to work with and help develop uh, state collaborative networks where schools can go to a one-stop shop. In an example, uh, I mentioned Florida was one of our original research uh, states, and they did not have an overall state network uh, for green schools. They do now. And they also have some county programs. What, they, what they've developed is a state award program for all schools, uh, state staff development for all schools. And then they're also doing that at the major counties uh, in California. And one of our board members, Susan Toth, has really been the orchestrator of developing, starting from the school level, uh, the Palm Beach County school level and district, and then expanding to the other counties around and then working uh, to develop an entire state uh, model for schools. And so the schools there have a, a, a green print very similar to ours, and they rate themselves, and they have award systems both on the county and state. So I think that's really what we try to do is to go in and, and work with state leaders. Uh, we're doing that in California. I met with them a couple years ago. And so what we're trying to do is to develop these uh, a, where they have a state uh, workshop, state conferences, state organizations to give recognitions to schools and help schools move forward. Well, and I'll tell you, you know, that's in many ways um, along the same lines of thinking that my organization, the Go Green Initiative, has had. Um, we recognize that school communities are made up of many stakeholder groups. You've got parents, teachers, administrators, um, custodians, school board members, uh, members of the neighborhood, you know, around schools. And so we've tried to develop partnerships with <clears throat> national organizations and state organizations like state PTAs, where parents and teachers gather together, like the National School Boards Association, which has endorsed the Go Green Initiative. And one of the upshots of those partnerships is that a local school can say to their, for instance, local school board, look, the National School Boards Association has endorsed the Go Green Initiative. They think that it's a good way to go. So, can't we do the same thing? Let's work on enacting these principles and these best practices. And so I, I love the idea of creating, um, you know, national partnerships that can actually feed right into the local schools. And so that, you know, for instance, the California State PTA endorsed the Go Green Initiative a few years ago. And so that allows every single school with a PTA to say, well, they've looked at this program thoroughly they think it's a great idea. Maybe we can replicate this at our local level. And it gives them some some uh, feeling of, of being a part of something larger and, and being a part of a network. And I think that's terrific. Now, Dr. Seidel, 
you have an annual conference that's coming up next month, and I'll be going. I'm hoping that our listeners, if they're not already signed up, will consider doing so. I'm really excited to be there. Tell us about some of the speakers and some of the sessions that those of us who will be there can expect to enjoy. Oh, there is so much. <laughs> it's, um, it's my favorite conference of the year. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Um, so I've been steeped in the details and, and the exciting thing is if, if at the top of the Green Schools National Network web page, if people jump up to the top of that and go to the very upper left hand corner, they can click on the Green Schools National Conference link and that will take them right out, um, to the National Conference page. And on that national conference page, they can now um, look at the full program, which was just released online yesterday. So, um, so that's a plug for people who don't know anything about the conference and want to learn more. Um, but my, I'm really excited about um, the theme for the conference, of course, is Partnerships for Healthy, Sustainable Schools this year. And we have designed our um, general sessions and then our breakout sessions around specific themes um, within that. So the first is creating a culture of sustainability in schools and our kickoff general session on um, Thursday afternoon at 4 o'clock includes a young man from Atlanta, Georgia, Charles Orkbon III, who is was the founder of an organization called Greening Forward. Mm-hmm. Um, we had him on the show, actually, right around amazing? that. <laughs> yes. And I then, asked him for his um, autograph before I had to pay for it. So <laughs> uh, We have Allison Suvadias, who is um, the executive director of the Environmental Charter Schools, um, which is a growing network of schools down in the Los Angeles area. Um, and then we have two industry leaders, um, George Bandy from Interface and Yalmez Siddiqui from Office Depot, um, talking about you know how they created a culture of sustainability in their organizations and what we can learn in the education, the K-12 world. Mm-hmm. Um, on um, Friday morning, our general session is um, called Preparing the Next Generation for Climate and Energy Resilience. And I know you have a number of programs on climate change yes. and, and energy issues um, Matt Bogosian from EPA will be speaking. We have a young woman from a uh, high school student from um, San Francisco, Olivia Robinson, who will be speaking. And then the Alliance for Climate Education, um, Ashel Eldridge and Rebecca Anderson are going to help um, kick us off with the ACE Assembly, um, which is a really high-powered, high-action um, event to get us excited about um, what we need to do to prepare our kids for the future. And then it sure finally, is, and I've seen that one before. Yeah, our final session is going is beyond green, um, mm-hmm. healthy, sustainable schools for all children. Again, still trying to push that envelope to help us, you know, move beyond just the facilities um, and the curriculum side, but really thinking it. about the whole child um, and pushing. I love it. And I think that resonates with our listeners. And I wanna, I wanna really encourage our listeners to get out on your website, which is greenschoolsnationalnetwork.org. Thank you so much, Jim and Jenny, for joining us today. Thank you to our listeners as well. Folks, we'll be back same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green.
Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.